Um, this morning's uh, gospel reading is from Luke 8, 22 to 25. One day, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side of the lake. So they got into a boat and set out. As they sailed, he fell asleep. A squall came down on the lake so that the boat was being swamped and they were in great danger. The disciples went and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going down. He got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm subsided and all was calm. Where is your faith? he asked the disciples. In fear and amazement, they asked one another, Who is this? He commands even the winds and the water, and they obey him. This is the word of the Lord. If you uh, Google Bible storms, you'd be amazed how many references come up. It's amazing. And we're going to look at some storms today and ask ourselves a few questions related to the storms of our lives. And the first one that sprang to my mind when I was thinking about this was Jonah. Do you remember the story of Jonah? God wanted him to go and preach. He wanted him to preach repentance to the people of Nineveh because they were in a mess and they needed to know him. Uh, Nineveh, by the way, is near modern-day Mosul in Iraq, so it's been in the news a lot, hasn't it, in the last few years. Jonah runs away from God, and he gets in a ship going in the opposite direction to Spain, saying to God, stuff that, I'm not doing that. And they set sail, and the Lord sent a storm. The crew were terrified, and to cut a long story short, they ended up tipping overboard. Uh, because they knew that he was running away from God. He'd, in a conversation with them, had confessed it and told them that he was running away and he was in disobedience. Bad place to be. He got swallowed by a large fish and in the belly of the fish God dealt with him and he repented. Consequently, he was spewed back up and went and did what he was told in the first place. So my first question on that little story is are any of us running away from something that God's asked us to do for him I can't answer that question for you only you can answer that before God and it could be as easy as making a phone call it could be something that's in your heart that you know you have to deal with Because God has prompted your conscience, and it could be as easy as making a phone call. So that's the first question. The lesson we learn from... I've got such a croaky voice. Can you pump me up a bit? It's me. Oh, all right. Okay. Sorry about the technical stuff. I'm supposed to know how to do this. I taught deaf people for 12 years. Is that any better? You're sitting on the wrong side, aren't you, if you're hearing? (laughs) Sorry. The great thing about that is that even when we mess up, the minute we repent, 
God puts it right for us. Just hang on to that. Hang on to it. It's a good lesson to learn. And sometimes, believe it or not, the storms of our lives are of our own making. Do you remember Paul? Do you remember the story about Paul and his storm that he got into? He was a prisoner and he was being sent by King Agrippa to face the emperor in Rome. This involved crossing the Mediterranean Sea, of course. And uh, the captain of the ship refused Paul's advice, and that was to stay in a safe place over winter near Crete. But he decided to press on into more dangerous waters, and then a northeasterly blew up, and uh, they were in deep trouble. I'm going to read you a bit. If anybody wants to look it up with me, it's in Acts 27. Should have marked my Bible. I haven't. Hold on a minute. When you're up here, did you know that pages of your Bible stick together? They always do. And they're always in the wrong place. They're never where they were when you prepared it. This is... Mm. 21. After those on board had gone a long time without food, Paul stood before them and said, Men, you should have listened to me and have not sailed from Crete. Then we would have avoided all this damage and loss. But now I beg you, take heart. Not one of you will lose your life. Only the ship will be lost. For last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship came to me and said, Don't be afraid, Paul. You must stand before the emperor. And God, in his goodness to you, has spared the lives of all those who are sailing with you. So take heart, men, for I trust in God that it will be just as I was told, but we will be driven ashore on some island. And that's exactly what did happen, and it was the island of Malta. Some storms are of our own making because we don't listen to good advice and we don't listen to what's being told. For instance, if you're smoking 30 a day and you know, and the doctor's told you, that that's going to cause huge health problems for you in the future. You're making your own storm in the future of your life. If your bank manager is warning you about your finances, it's very unwise to go out and buy another lotus, Chris. (laughs) If when you were at school, you didn't listen to your teachers, you didn't put the work in, looking at the teachers here, you didn't put the work in, you didn't hand in your homework, you didn't get the results you wanted, and the storm you may be in in later life is because you didn't listen to the advice of those who knew better than you. And that's that's what happened in Paul's shipwreck. Because the captain didn't listen to this man of God who himself had been listening to God on their behalf and took them into stormy waters. 
How many of us didn't listen to good advice? Storms vary in strength, of course. They're not always of our own making. My garden waste bags and a small bucket got blown into the next door neighbor's garden in uh, Storm Eric a couple of weeks ago. But that doesn't compare at all with uh, Haiti a few years ago or Baton Rouge, where the whole town was flattened completely. So storms vary, and it's the same in our lives. Some storms are major, major things, and some are minor things. I wonder what your storms are in, what what they are at the moment, if you're in a storm. Maybe something like failing to get the promotion you'd long for at work. Or are you in the middle of a family rift? Because of disagreements, that's a horrible place to be. Have you had a dreadful diagnosis from the doctor? That's a horrible, horrible place to be. Have you failed exams when you were predicted that you would pass them? That's a horrible place to be. And all of us have had storms in our life of varying degrees. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about the worst storm in my life. And some of you know this, and I apologize for repeating this to some of you. The worst storm in my life happened in 1986, when my 39-year-old husband died of a brain tumor on April 9th, 1986. And he at the back, trying to shrink into the chair, was five. You can now work out his age. I'll paint the picture for you. Ten days before, he'd been sent to Oxford, to the hospital there. And I was told by a very hard, blunt doctor, he's got 24 hours, which was pretty pretty awful to deal with. Ten days later, he was still there. And it had been our habit in the previous month or two to read this book together. It's called Living Light, and somebody had given it to us when my daughter Naomi was dedicated. And there are um, scripture readings for the morning and scripture readings for the evening. And I woke up on the 9th of April... And this is what I read. This is the first thing I read. Don't be afraid, for I have ransomed you. Fear not. You will no longer live in shame. The shame of your youth and the sorrows of your widowhood will be remembered no more, for your creator will be your husband. In one sentence, I was in bits at that point the Lord of hosts is his name he is your redeemer the holy one of Israel the God of all the earth he was going to be my husband 
A little bit further down, it says this. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will carry the lambs in his arms and gently lead the ewes with young. I was the ewe. Nat was one of the lambs. And I had three others. Joe was the oldest. And then my daughter Naomi. Then Nat. And then Tom. And there I was, a ewe with four young. And the next verse was, In all their affliction he was afflicted, and he personally saved them. In his love and pity he redeemed them and lifted them up and carried them through all the years. Wasn't that brilliant? This was the point when I knew that Jesus was in my boat. Until then, I thought he was asleep because we'd been crying out for healing for my husband and it didn't happen. Where are you, Lord? Are you asleep? I read that and I knew he was awake. And then a few days later, I had a phone call from the lovely Tom Hamlin. Who knows? A lot of us know Tom Hamlin. He worships just along the road at Southcote Family Church. And he was in Qatar taking Bibles. And somebody had phoned him in Qatar and told him that my husband had died. And he was heartbroken. And he phoned me from Qatar. And he sobbed on the phone. And I sobbed on the phone. It was horrendous. And I said, Tom, this is costing you a lot of money to cry. I said, get off the phone. And he said, I'll write to you, Andrea. And he wrote to me. A couple of days later, I got this this letter from him. And in it was this. This is what God says to you, Andrea. I am your God. I will take care of you until you're old and your hair is grey. And here is the living evidence. (laughs) Old and grey with God as my husband. What a combination, huh? Get God in your boat. It wasn't resolved how I wanted it to be resolved. But I knew that that Jesus wasn't asleep. And we know this Jesus. We've just, as a church, we've been looking at the I am statements of Jesus. So what were they? Anybody? Can't hear anybody. Bread. Life. Light. Alpha and Omega. The vine. Oh, you're very clever. You've done your revision. They passed. <laughs> yeah, one of them is the way, the truth, and the life. And I asked June if I could use her story for this. And sometimes people say, we often say as Christians, we don't really know what God's saying. What is he saying? What is the way forward? And I'm telling you, you know the way forward because it's in here. You always know the way forward. June was very, very badly hurt by a church leader. My heart went out to her and she carried this hurt with her for such a long time. And then we had a march of witness with all the churches in, in town at Easter time marching with the cross into, the, into central Reading. And this gentleman was there. And June knew the way. And she went up and gave him a hug. <laughs> 
and talked to him. And there was a huge wave of reconciliation. And I guarantee that June's blood pressure dropped that day. And if you haven't had a June hug, line up at the end. They're worth having. We know the way. He is the way. And we follow him and what he said. Am I going on too long, Jan? I told you to jump up and down if you were all bored to tears and you won't get rid of me. I just want to read to you what Max Lusado says about who Jesus is. This is what he says. So human, he could touch his people. So mighty, he could heal them. So human, he spoke with an accent. So heavenly, he spoke with authority. So human, he could blend in unnoticed for 30 years. So mighty, he could change history and be unforgotten for 2,000 years. All man and all God. Isn't that brilliant? What a wonderful description of our Jesus. So I'm saying to you folks, if you don't know whether Jesus is in your boat and you want him in your boat, all you have to do is ask. It comes the same way as Jonah. I've made a mess. I'm in this slippery fish. I'm in the mess of life. And I don't know how to cope. And I want you. And I need you. And all you have to do is bend the knee. Get rid of your stinking pride. I wonder how many of the disciples were saying, we can get, we've ridden storms before. We can do it. But no, they were the sensible ones. They woke Jesus up and said, please, Lord, help. And that's what he invites us to do. Do you know what? I was pontificating about something one day that I disagreed with. Probably something that had gone on here. Because I'm such a horrible person. And my closest friend Mabel in her lovely Irish action said, Andrea, it's just your stinking pride. Get rid of it. (laughs) And that's what we have to do. We have to humble the knee. We have to bend the knee, humble our hearts, and say, Lord, I can't cope. I'm not doing this without you. I don't need to do it without you. May that be your decision today, if you don't already know that Jesus is in your boat. Amen.